Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now, here's your host for this week, Chris Gamble. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Relational Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gamble, and today I am joined by my friend, Chad Ibach. Chad, a year ago this season, finished up your doctorate of ministry at George Fox. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Well done at, at accomplishing that. I know a bit about his dissertation, and it's of particular interest to us. Chad wrote about and, and created a project around the generational divide between particularly any generation above Gen Z and Gen Z. And so we'll dive into that here in a minute. I briefly want to touch on Chad is, his family is good family friends with the Crab family, and they have a coffee shop near where they live just outside of Detroit in Northville called the Red Dot Coffee Shop. And as I gathered, it was the Red Dot Coffee Shop and your sort of ministry work there that inspired this project. So just for those that don't know about the Red Dot Coffee Shop, could you share a little bit more of the vision behind it? And yeah, and and, and your experience. There. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so my parents opened up the Red Dot. It'll be seven years this July, which is wild to think about. So my mom had a vision to open up a space for people to come and have conversations that matter. And so, yeah, I helped start that in 2016. We opened up. I don't work there any longer, but yeah, it's still going strong. And it's been fun to support them, not in a as hands-on of a space any longer, but just being able to be a little bit more behind the scenes support. They're really trying to create spaces for individuals to come, whether it's for the staff to have conversations or whether it's for the customers to be able to come in and have conversations. And so it's been really cool to see the journey over the last seven years. Yeah. And if you're listening and you're anywhere near the Detroit area, definitely check it out. It's a yeah. cute, restored, historic home. And they do have these great little spaces and delicious coffee. And Arlita, Chad's mom, is just one of the sweetest, genuinely, ladies to meet. So, yep, Northville. So, Northville, Northville yes. Michigan. Come by and have a good cafe meal. It's our most popular drink. And, but we got good pour overs and the croissants are to die for. So, stop by if you're in the area. Well, jumping in, Chad, why don't you give us? just a little bit of overview of 
your degree and particularly your dissertation, the problem that you were working on by creating this project and really what made you decide to do this topic and then how did you arrive at the project that you decided to tackle for this problem? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so I got my doctorate in ministry and uh, leadership and spiritual formation from George Fox out in Portland, Oregon. So it's actually Portland Seminary is the technical term of where my degree is from, but through George Fox University. So how I got connected from Michigan all the way out to Portland, I did my master's at Taylor University in Indiana. One of my colleagues there was getting her doctorate in ministry from George Fox. And so through conversation with her, just decided that I wanted to pursue the doctorate of ministry degree, specifically in spiritual formation, was like a huge draw for me, thinking about my background and where I've come from and a lot of things that I've learned over the years that spiritual formation was kind of the direction that I wanted to go if I was going to further my education. So that's kind of how I ended up at George Fox. It was a three-year program. We would go out to Portland area. We were actually out at Cannon Beach. For We would go out once a semester for the first two years. So the first two years were like coursework as well as writing the dissertation. And then the final year was all dissertation work. George Fox moved away from the traditional dissertation model. So my dissertation is not a strictly like written paper. It is actually a project. So we came up with a project portfolio rather than a specific written dissertation. So which was also a draw for me to go to Portland Seminary because I like to write, but to write a dissertation is a huge undertaking and daunting. Yeah, very daunting. Very daunting task. I was in a cohort model. We were the first ones to go through this project portfolio format. So we're we're definitely the guinea pigs, but it's fun to be the guinea pigs at, at some points and definitely tiresome at other points. I was really, really thankful to be able to do a project. Having a deliverable was part of our like goal and requirement. Maybe that's better. Requirement was to have a deliverable, whether it's like a book or a podcast or an app on the phone or a program for people to go through, whatever it was. So what was your other question? How did I pick the topic? <laughs> yeah. Really, how did you land on cross-generational? Yeah, yeah that's right relating and yeah. see that need yeah. and then move into the particular project that you chose. Oh, yeah, that's great. I, I know you asked a couple that I can remember. Yeah. So while like throughout the program, we had to come up with an MPO, which is a need problem or opportunity in our ministry context. And so my ministry context was when working at the red dot. So while there which now I'm no longer there, but while there, I noticed a lot of uh, 
just interesting dynamics between the generations. We we would have a lot of generation. I mean, all generations coming into the shop as customers, but then also the cross generations within among the staff. And I think I noticed one summer. I think probably after my first year at George Fox, I noticed just the difficulty that I was having connecting with the younger generation, like Gen Z specifically. And so, which was fascinating to me because I feel like I've always been somebody who's been able to connect with all types of generations. But I've noticed in myself, wow, like I can't relate as well for whatever reason. And then I wanted to focus specifically for my project around the idea of having spiritual conversations. As I noticed my own personal struggle with connecting with the different generations, that's kind of what sparked my like curiosity of what, what could we do to help bridge that gap. And so <clears throat> throughout the process, I had a bunch of different focus groups with different generations, just with people I was connected with. At the time, I was also connected with Young Life. So I was working with students, Gen Z as well. And so I was able to pull a group of students from Young Life. We had a lot of younger staff at Red Dot, as well as different individuals who were either working with Young Life or different individuals that I was connected with in the area that were in the older generations. And so we've had different conversations over the three years. What is, you know, Gen Z looking for and what are older generations looking for millennials that we are like not doing well or haven't done well or just haven't known how to. And I think that as I studied and thought through the process it it's not just gen z like it's how do we create conversations among all generations because i think it's so important this cross-generational idea having people who are older and younger than me you know on both sides that we can kind of do this journey together so when i was Thinking through all of that, came up with a couple of different ideas. And so I landed on creating a six-month like study going through different spiritual disciplines as well as just different readings and different things like that that I had gone through in my program as well as outside of that. And I created a like hybrid program where it would be in-person and online because now in and of itself to connect with all generations people have to be able to engage online because that's just the nature of what the world we live in is but i also think that there is a huge importance of connecting in person as well and so i created a six-month study where one week you're in person going through questions, different things like that. The other week you're doing readings and engaging online via a platform to connect with one another. So I created a website that kind of houses all of it. So that's the project itself and how I landed on doing that. 
Well, I agree with something you said going back a little bit mm-hmm. that the relating across generations up and down is important. Why do you think it's important? You said it was. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think it is? I think that we just have a lot to learn from one another. At least in my own growing up, there was always this sense of separation of you're the older kids and you are the older adults and I'm the younger kids. And there's this like separation between. But I think that there's something that you miss with with that mentality. I think that we are all on this journey together. And while, yes, obviously people, you know, further along in their journey than me have different life experiences than I do and have learned and maybe aren't in a different space than I am, but you can learn so much from people behind you and in front of you that to not have those types of relationships in your life really is a detriment because you just kind of miss out on being able to connect in different journeys. Someone once told me just this idea of going into a conversation, no matter who it is, and there's always a chance to learn from somebody, no matter, you know, the age of that person, especially viewing them as like having the life of God in them, that there was a time in my life that, you know, there was, I was working with a youth group and some of these young kids like taught me so much of who God. Like TikTok trends, right? Yeah, definitely TikTok trends. (laughs) I think this was before TikTok actually became like a big thing. This was. There was like life before TikTok. I know, right? I'm not, it would have been in like 2015. So eight years ago, I don't know if TikTok was around then, maybe, but it wasn't big. Yeah. Yeah. I can think back on that time of life and realize like how much I gained from interactions with people who were younger than me. And I think I've always been somebody who has had or like respected people older than me, but I I haven't disrespected people who are younger than me, but just this idea that, oh man, any person along the journey can really show me more of who God is, that it doesn't matter the age. It, it just is like the life of God and this person really can, yeah reflect something different that I I don't really see or know. So I think I think that's why I think it's so important and and that if you just stick with like your own you know little pack, it it kind of is a detriment, I think, to you. And mm-hmm. and obviously it's like easy to interact with people who are in the same season of life. That's just natural. So I don't think that that's a bad thing, but I think if you solely focus on, I'm just going to connect with my group of people, I think you kind of miss out on other perspectives. And, and so I think, you know, I think there's a time and a place for both. 
like obviously there's a time and a place to connect with people who are in the same season of life. It's like good to dialogue with one another about what are you going through with this situation or how do you all handle this or whatever. But then also to be able to be like, I wonder what this younger person thinks about this or what did, you know, this older person think about this? You know, I think that there's value having all so. Right. It, it reminds me of something a mentor of mine brought up to me, which is he encouraged me to have at all times a Paul in my life as if I was a Timothy, a Timothy in my life as if I was a Paul, and a Barnabas as somebody to walk alongside Paul. And so, yeah, and not only because there's a transference of knowledge and maturity and, you know, life experience. Well, I guess that's what I want to say is that there's also just real life experiences that happen at different seasons that are relevant to that age and stage that are not what you're the way you're thinking what you're having to go through and so yeah just there's like the spiritual transference of wisdom and maturity and then there's also just like cultural differences between generations that are valid and important for us for sure well let's talk a little bit more about your dissertation what was the maybe greatest insight or success that you had working on your dis- dissertation? And yeah. if you don't mind sharing, what were the greatest challenges? Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest insights is what we've been talking about of the importance of this type of relationship. I think that that even though I haven't touched it in a year, I look back and I think, wow, that's still something that is so necessary and so important. And I also think that there's an insight. Uh, The world is changing. Culture is changing. My hope was with this type of project, with creating something that can bridge the gap, that Christians, that the church would start to think through how do we actually continue to bridge the gap? It's going to continue to change because of culture and the way the world continually changes. And so my, my hope is even in myself that if I don't do anything with the specific project that I did, that I learned something that I can problem solve to help this problem. Because I think, that this problem of this intergenerational relationships will always continue to be because it's it's hard to relate to people who aren't in your season. It, it, you can become so focused on what's going on in your own life and you know what you're dealing with that it's easier to talk about with people who are going through the same types of things. And so then we kind of forget to actually relate to the person who's down the road from me or behind me in some way. And so I think 
the biggest insight being it's important to think through this problem. And while I might have come up with one type of solution, that there are so many different opportunities to create something like this as we continue to progress through time. That in each, I think in my context, this is what felt like would work, would be creating some type of program and website that would help guide through. And so, but I think through my degree and, and my own journey and thought process of creating it, that I have the tools to be like, okay, uh, how do I think through this type of relationship? What is going to not necessarily work, but how do we create a connection? I think it's just learning to build connections and, and creating a space for connections. Like that is, you know, what is important is, is being able to uh, create that space. So yeah, I think that would be some of the biggest insights, the importance of it, creating spaces and just that this problem isn't going to probably ever go away. It's always going to be something that is a struggle to connect. Right. You're in different seasons. So it's just the nature of, of, of the journey. So, and then the, you said the biggest challenge, right? So. Mm-hmm. And it could be personally or like with the problem yeah. that you were trying to solve itself. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just that it feels like it's ever-changing. Well, we've talked about some, just this idea that culture is continually moving, generations are continually moving. And so it's like this target that is always moving that you can never really hit a bullseye. It used to be that generations were like 20 years or more. Millennials were like from the early 80s, I think, to the late 90s. And now it's like the late 90s to 2007, I think it was. And then now it's just is shrinking. And so it's, oh man, we think we understand one generation and then it's oh we're moving on to the next new big thing whether it's tiktok or whatever like what's the next be real be real exactly and so you know what's gonna be the next big thing so i think that feels like one of the biggest challenges is that it's an ever-moving target but with that i think going back to one of the key insights is this idea of creating spaces for people to have conversation. And so it may look different each time. And so it's now it's, it's figuring out, okay, this medium, whatever the medium was worked two years ago. And what is the medium going to be now to connect with this next generation? That's only two years younger. And especially, I think it feels hard as the older generations trying to connect with the younger generations and not coming in as I know everything because I think that is like what I really found through conversations with specifically Gen Z when I was working with them. They they don't really want this top-down type of relationship. They really want it to be mutual, which is great. I love that. But I think that's not how I grew up or we grew up. 
Right. It was this top-down mentality. And so how do we respect that, but also, you know, push to challenge it a little bit too. So I think that would be like the biggest challenge is this idea that it's continually changing. And then personally, I went into this degree not really being in a ministry context, which is very, or not in a traditional ministry context, which is like very not normal. Everybody in my program was either a pastor or a counselor or a spiritual director or something in that realm. Like they had a specific ministry context where mine was very like non-traditional of I'm working, I was working in a business and using that as my ministry context. And so it just was like really interesting to think through think through the project in that mindset. And I was very young doing the program. I was the youngest in my cohort. Well, I was just thinking that shouldn't a business be a traditional ministry context in the sense that that we're ministering to our immediate sphere of influence and you know, as you go make disciples. So as you were going in the coffee shop, seeking to make disciples, Mm -hmm. just a little. It was so interesting for me because I was the only one that was not thinking of it as like in the church or in a counselor's office. I was the only one that was thinking of it in a non-traditional sense. I was thinking of it from a business perspective of how do I create something that could reach even in a non-traditional sense. So I think that was what was really challenging was I was really having to think outside the box where a lot of other people, not that they weren't thinking outside the box because they were, but it just was like, well, of course, this is my ministry context. Like this is the problem that I see in my church. So like, how am I going to fix this problem where I'm thinking of it from a business perspective? How am I going to solve this like huge problem? I wasn't just thinking of in my own context. I was thinking right. of, okay, I'm seeing this in my own life and that's why I'm doing this, but I'm also seeing this in the global. And that was part of their feedback too, of like, how are you going to make it, you know, focused well so you conducted interviews right so yeah you uncovered root causes to this generational divide what was your method for uncovering those and what you uncover were the kind of key root causes here are some of my some of the ones i discussed in my discovery session and one-on-one interviews fear yeah Lack of skills to have deeper, more meaningful conversations. Lack of trust, physical safety, stress, busyness, sin, brokenness. Yeah. So those came from one-on-one interviews with different individuals. And so a lot of the one-on-one interviews were with older generations. And then I also had in the group interviews or process it really the group really wasn't 
an interview. It was kind of like, let's go through this journey together of asking these like questions and we'll kind of see where the path leads us. And then from that path, I would take that to my like stakeholders were what we called them. And I would have a one-on-one interview. This is kind of what we found. Does this feel like it aligns? And so I had an interview with somebody who works at a university. I had an interview with somebody who is like a director at uh, Young Life, kind of like having that type of conversation of, okay, this is what we found is like root causes. Does that seem like it aligns with what you're experiencing? I was interviewing these one-on-one people because they're working with Gen Z. They were working with Gen Z as well. And a lot of what we talked about in the group interviews with like fear and feeling like there's this lack of connection, not being able to connect, those types of things aligned. And I think a lot of them too would have said that just this lack of actual space, like actually having a, whether it was like a physical space itself or just the space, meaning the environment of trying to create something that felt conversations could happen between generations. I think even talking with older generations than just millennials, because millennials were the next closest to Gen Z, obviously. And so I think older generations would assume that we can connect with Gen Z. And so I was thinking talking with older generations than millennials, I actually feel certain things that you feel as well of not Mm -hmm. being able to connect with them too. It's not just you because you're older than me. Oh no, I I actually have felt that as well that like I've, I've wrestled with, how do I connect with younger generations? It's going to be a continual process of not feeling like they connect. So I think among the interviews, it was this idea of what does it look like to create spaces for, for these types of conversations and these types of relationships to happen. So I don't know if that really yeah, answered question, I, but I appreciated what you said about being a millennial and it would seem that we could connect to the next generation below us more easily or easily. And I too experience challenges with that when I serve at my church's high school ministry. Something that's so funny to me. We have Wednesday night youth group and the first 30 minutes is dinner provided by the church. So everyone kind of shows up on their own time, officially starts at six and six thirty is when dinner ends. But it feels like the high school cafeteria all over again where you like have your food and you're like looking where to sit and oh that's the cool kids like i'm not sure i'll fit at that table so i was socially awkward and maybe still am but definitely didn't feel like the the kid that could 
relate as easy to just anybody or was seen as cool. So <laughs> anyway, so I all the time find that barrier is there. Something I wonder, I don't want to move too far from the fear or the root causes that that we were just talking a little bit about, but something I was wondering as I was reading your dissertation was how much of this is a Gen Z problem, and we've been talking a little bit about it, and how much of this is just a g- generation problem a function of different different cultures and different generations. Mm-hmm. And then maybe even more what I'm I think about is how much of it to one of your root causes is the Gen Zers are teenagers and early 20 somethings. And so maybe they just lack the tools to reciprocate conversation. Mm-hmm because they're teenagers and they're still learning themselves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah and and haven't had just as many conversations or haven't had to have mm-hmm. conversations that life forces upon you when you need to speak with professors and bosses and develop relational skills mm-hmm. with people that you aren't as closely connected to sociologically i think that's a good thought slash question i think even from my own story and journey as a teenager i wasn't gonna connect or you know right engage with people older than me because it was i was too afraid to what i wished would have happened more so was that they would have engaged anyways and i think that is what is needed regardless as we move through time like it doesn't matter it's not just a gen z thing like you said it's just a generational thing period i just happen to be we happen to be in the gen z part of time and history so that was the context but i think that this problem of this gap will continue to happen until we say like i'm just going to engage because that's what you do that's just how you are a human and especially a a follower of christ i want to invest in people older and younger than me and that's what i think was happening when i was at that youth group that i was talking about earlier was the older generations did seem to engage with this younger generation these younger generations and so it was very easy for them to talk about their emotions and their feelings and and different things that they're going through during school and and it didn't matter if they were talking about it with their friends or if they were talking about it with me or if they were talking about it with people older than me it's like we all have to learn how to have conversations it's not something that just I mean, I think there are people who it, not, it does come naturally to. I think there are, our brains work all different ways. And so some, it just comes naturally to have conversations with people and, and others it doesn't. And that's okay too. But I think how do we learn how to engage with each other 
is the thing. And I think, like you said, it's not just a Gen Z problem. It is a generational problem that will continue to happen and that we have to push ourselves and and push one another to continue to engage and continue to be willing to like have uncomfortable conversations, not because we're having uncomfortable topics, but because sometimes it's uncomfortable to engage others who are uncomfortable, even for myself, you know, it's right. If we're all uncomfortable, like it's hard. Sometimes you just want to go and eat your food and not talk to somebody. Right. But it's like, how do I say like, okay, I'm uncomfortable here. I'm going to choose to like ask this person a question because I care and I want to, I do actually want to know this person better. And that's how you're going to get to know them better is by actually engaging. So yeah, I think you're right. The church is going to have to want to engage with one another no matter what generation it is like we will have to learn how to have conversations with people and i think that's like part of my hope with my project was to create a space i think there's not a lot of spaces to do that in my own story there wasn't a lot of space to like actually have conversations with all generations it was like here you know the kids are going to go over here and these people are going to go over here and then you guys are all separate. And so I think we have not done, at least in my own story, I know it's not for everybody, but that I didn't have a lot of opportunities to engage. And that's what I hope to do differently moving forward in my own story and my own journey is to create spaces for people who are older, younger, doesn't really matter, but just to create a space that invites people to have conversations. Yeah. When you said when we've got our meal and we'd rather just sit down and avoid the awkward conversation Mm -hmm. this past week, I was looking around and I just ended up going to a table where leaders, people, my generation were sitting because that was the easier route. And in my heart, I want to sit with any of the tables of kids. But I had this vision while you were saying, making your point of taking my food and going to the table, one of the tables and saying, hey, I'd really love to get to know you guys and sit with you. And I actually feel anxious about it or I'm afraid of being rejected, but I really would, I really long to know you guys and be friends with you. Would you embrace me while I figure out how to sit here and work through my own anxiety and have a chance to get to know you and just see what happens from doing that. Yeah. But what, what I love about this conversation is even what you were saying was one of the key insights is it's sort of a matter that like this cross generational thing is a matter of seeing the importance and making the effort. I, I look at that 
that list of root causes, fears, lack of skills to have deeper, more meaningful conversations, lack of trust, physical safety concerns, stress in their lives or busyness, sin and brokenness. And it, it could almost feel like we need to have an answer for all of those root causes in order to then be able to enter in and in order to make and establish the connection. And yes, there is things that can be done to build trust for them to cultivate more skills, you know, to address their fears, to feel more physically safe. Mm -hmm. But what I'm sensing is that making an effort, a sustained effort, not a one-off effort. Oh, you know, you know, Hey, would you want to go to lunch with me this week? No. Okay. And then never trying again, but rather, you know, an intentional and sustained pursuit, obviously with some awareness that if they're just totally not, you know, wanting to hang out, don't be this creepy person (laughs) showing up at their house. You didn't come to lunch with me. Like, what the heck? So we're having it here. (laughs) No, but, but yeah, I think part of it is just seeing the need and showing up and just one more thought comes to mind i feel like i'm sort of continuing on here but you're fine one of the spiritual directors for larger story one day when we were talking about our upcoming courses digital courses that have some crossover to your program an online space that creates opportunity both online and in person, if proximity affords the in-person part, to work through material that creates context for and structure for intentional time and direction and mutual vision with the hope that it would be a means for one generation connecting with the next. Mm. But one of the spiritual directors from Larger Story mentioned as we talked about potentially them being involved in this cross-generational digital course. Mm -hmm. I think it was a pilot program we were talking about at the time. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm too old to relate to that generation. And counted himself out. And I think I just, for for a moment, accepted, yeah, maybe he, you know, not that this person's that old, but maybe he doesn't have the skills to, or the, like, knowledge of what that generation, I think he even referenced not knowing really, how, like, how to relate with them or what they're, they like to relate about, I think yeah. is part of it. And so I'm bringing the point to say that we, I think part of what keeps the, the gap in place generation after generation is counting ourselves out and saying, I, I, can't, I just can't relate to them. I just don't like those things or mm-hmm. I'm not a tech savvy person. Yeah. 
which will probably one day be phased oh. out of the latest technology too. And I definitely feel that already. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and so how do we not count ourselves out? And and you out there listening, how do you not count yourself out and believe that God and through the Holy Spirit has given you and equipped you with everything you need for this life and for godliness and to reach and love and pursue somebody that is different and probably doesn't want to hear from you that much anyways, but just showing up and trying. Yeah. I think that even on the flip side of that, as I get older, like I, I do value, you know, older generations, obviously. I think as a teenager and, you know, as the early 20s, it was like, oh, like I can figure this out on my own, blah, 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 whatever, and not really seeing the value. And so I think that older generations feel like counting themselves out because they have been counted out so many times. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so my hope would be that in some type of, program or conversation like this is like we see the value in all of the generations that like young see the value in the old and the old see the value in the young and everything in between and that like we can show this mutual respect as well as mutual learning from one another that i can learn about the tech things from these younger people but then also the Old people can teach me how to whatever, you know. Do business or exactly relate to your significant other. Yeah, exactly. So I think that it has to be a mutual thing because I think there's so much. I mean, I even see it in my own life, just like angst towards telling me what to do or, or how to do it. But really trying to shift that mentality to really respect that like somebody has gone through the journey before me and I can learn from them because they do have value because conversations with older people they're like do people like your age even want to hear from us and I I I do and so and maybe everybody doesn't but that is like what I hope to teach younger generations is that everybody has value and everybody has a story and so it doesn't matter how old or how young you are that like the life of god is in you and and so how can you learn or so yeah yeah and humble ourselves because we actually know so little mm-hmm. Of the of the infinite amount of knowledge to be learned in this world, yeah. what I know is like a grain of sand on a beach of knowledge. Yeah. And there is something that you know, Chad, or that those 10th grade guys know that I don't. And, yeah. and I need to have the humility to say, how can I learn from you. And I wonder, as I'm just saying that out loud, if that does create trust and that does create more of a safe space because we're 
humbling ourselves to say, I value you and I value your experience and I value what God has done in your life. And I'm willing to show up and grow too and need it. I mean, it has to start with yourself, right? You can't, we can't expect somebody younger or older than us to do what we hope them to do. It has to start with yourself of humbling yourself to say, I really can learn from this person, regardless of the age. It's like, I can learn something from them because they have the life of God in them and, and that it really can, God can show up in so many different ways that it doesn't have to be a specific way. And, and you can only do that for yourself. You can't make somebody else do that. And so it really has to start with the individual and hopefully enough individuals in your context will start to do that, that there will then be the cross. And so, and then hopefully from there, spaces will be created because you, it starts with yourself to create a space that welcomes other people into that. And then maybe one other, and then maybe another, and then maybe another, and then you have a whole group of people that are willing to, you know, engage. And, and so, I think that if you don't start in your own story, in your own journey, it really is not going to work because it's, you can't force somebody else to want what you want. Well, we're come coming up on a, uh, an hour in our chat here and it's been enjoyable and insightful Maybe one of my final thoughts you mentioned, and it's something maybe we're hovering around in in our conversation most recently, you mentioned the rhetorical question, how do we create those spaces? And I just thought I'd ask, do you have insight maybe in addition to what we've just been talking about or otherwise, have you any insight on how do we create those spaces for those conversations to happen? Uh, like, do, should everyone go and build a program or? Nope. It's too much. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do, do that they need, you know, do they need a program? But yeah, feel free to just share what comes to mind as you think about how do we create those? Yeah. Those I think that, the spaces that I've found in my life are just when, yeah, you can gather with other people who are willing to be uncomfortable, are willing to ask questions, are willing to wrestle with one another, are willing to engage with the present and, and thinking of what's what's going on in each of the individuals journeys and and I think and I think trusting the Holy Spirit that that God will move in ways that you will never understand and and trusting that like it's a process that like 
creating a safe space doesn't just happen overnight in that like most people, including myself, have not had spaces where they feel comfortable to be themselves. And so I think that that takes a long time and there's so much of each person's stories that you just don't know about that causes them to protect themselves or to not be themselves because that's what they've learned throughout life. And so I think creating a space to unlearn ways that you've protected yourself, ways that you've tried to overcompensate or whatever. Interesting that the Holy Spirit will do his work in those spaces and really not forcing something to happen. I've had a group that we recently stopped meeting just through life circumstances, but we met for, I think, five years. We met every week, and that group shifted and morphed over the years, but a lot of our common thing was just coming around different thoughts and questions and really being able to show up each as individuals where we were at in the journey and being okay with that. So I think like finding spaces where you can be yourself and learn it's okay to be yourself because I think a lot of us don't feel okay being ourselves. My little bit of insight of trying to create safe spaces is just letting it naturally happen. I think so often of life, we try to force things to happen because of course I desire more to see more spaces where people can have deep, meaningful conversations, but most of life is not deep, meaningful conversations. And so you just have to be okay with that and still trust that God is working and moving in your life and, and hope that you can find little glimpses here and there and that often it, it could be a group of one or two of you, but that that is okay. And that from there, you know, each of you could have one or two more and then it kind of spreads. So, yeah, I appreciate your comment about not forcing it because I think as humans, we can try to make it happen in our own strength. And so really technique is listening to the spirit and trying to follow his prompting on timing and the word curiosity Larry Krabs used my, a lot and this season and larger story were kind of theming for a book club, the pressures off. Mm -hmm. And so not trying to force it, taking the pressure off it is just what I wanted to kind of draw a connection to a yeah. few, few other larger story things. If you're not a part of that book club, it meets monthly and we would love it'll we'll do it for the whole year and then reevaluate but we'd love anyone listening we welcome them to join it's an online group with teaching and then breakouts based around whatever that book of the quarter is and then 
thinking about spaces, we're hoping to create opportunity for those spaces through the, the larger story courses that will walk through Larry Crabb material and we'll be releasing soon the first one, Experience a Grand Adventure. It's an awesome course. So if you're listening, keep your eye out for that. And Chad, anything you would like to share kind of concluding, concluding our conversation? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I would just say, yeah, what does it look like to create spaces for other people and specifically for cross-generational relationships and just the importance of of that and of people and trying to learn what it looks like to walk alongside one another in this journey we call life. And yeah, I hope that we can each find those spaces in our lives. And if you don't have that, I pray that someday you will. So indeed. Well, thanks everybody for listening and we will catch you guys the next week. And thank you, Chad, for joining us. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below, then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel for more resources on relational spirituality. Go to our website at largerstory.com. Thank you.